As people find themselves at home more than ever before, between online learning and limited social interaction, one might raise the question of what lasting effects this could have on our brains in the future. Who better to discuss the possible evolutionary effects on the mind and brain fitness with none other than UCSB's Harriman Professor of Neuroscience, Dr. Kenneth Kosick, award-winning researcher and author of several books on Alzheimer's. Dr. Kosick, thank you so much for coming on KCSB News. Thank you. Since COVID hit, people are expected to, of course, stay at home. A lot of people are having a hard time not being able to see their loved ones and feeling not as engaged with the world as we once were. Do you think that this time will have lasting effects on human brain evolution? Well, I don't think it's going to have effects that carry over to evolution, which uh, implies future generations. But I do think that what's happening now this in this pandemic will have uh, longer-term effects on all of us, uh, but the most vulnerable, of course, are uh, children who are in their most mm -hmm. formative years. Could you talk more about the kinds of effects we're looking at in terms of developing children? Well, a child is learning basically how to socialize, how to interact with other children, how to interact with other adults. And um, of course, humans were basically social creatures and it's a very important part of normal development. So when a child really has uh, little exposure to other kids, um, maybe nothing more than a Zoom if that, uh, then I think we do have to be a little bit uh, concerned about how they're going to grow up. On the other hand, I would say also that kids are very resilient. And um, while I do think this is a concern, I wouldn't say I'm overly pessimistic either, because I do think that um, when we get out of this, and there is light at the end of the tunnel now, um, the, some of the, a lot of the damage that's been done will be reparable. That's very hopeful. I think you're absolutely right about children being so adaptable and resilient. Um, within what you just said, you mentioned some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think we could all use a little bit of that. Could you expand more? Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, I don't have a crystal ball as to what's going to happen to people as they emerge from this. But I am very encouraged by the way in which the vaccine development and the number of people that are being immunized uh, is growing very rapidly. And I really am optimistic that at least in the USA, uh, there will be um, a pretty high level of immunity if we keep going at this rate um, by the end of the summer or maybe the fall. That um, may seem like a long time. It's already been a year and it's been mm -hmm. really tough but I do think there is an end in sight. I will also add that um, those timelines are really for the US. I am very concerned about other countries in the world that uh, some of them have not even begun vaccination programs yet. Mm. 
Speaking of tough times, we definitely have come to know that, especially in these past months battling this pandemic. Also, in terms of all the news and information people have been consuming to stay informed, seems to be leaving people within a state of fight or flight. Do you think there's a healthy approach as well as balance to staying informed without teetering into a deep stressful state? Yeah, this is a this is also a difficult matter because uh, we are getting a lot of mixed messages sometimes as to about what to do and not to do. Uh, we have a lot of temptations to uh, go out and be with friends. There is um, it, it's not it's not easy, but it's not it's not hard either because the underlying cautions that we have to take have really not changed from the very beginning. And those items, I think, I don't have to reiterate that. They, you know, they require wearing a mask, washing hands, keeping social distances, not gathering in um, groups that are you know, large at all, quite small groups, if, uh, if at all. Those things really haven't changed. And we've got to just stick to it for a little while longer uh, to get past this. But you also asked about keeping your brain healthy, which is the the other side of this. Uh, so you want to stay informed about the um, the pandemic we're in, but being you know not being able to get it out very much uh, is also something that we think um, is not necessarily great for the brain. The brain thrives on lot on variety, on experience, on novelty, and. Um, very often now, I'm sure many people are having this experience of um, hard to tell the days apart one day after another. Mm -hmm. And um, we're not getting the kinds of stimulation that our brains are built for. And for that aspect of the problem, what we have to do to prevent COVID in ourselves, that's relatively simple. Right. And what we want to do to keep our brains active in this really tough time is a more difficult problem. What is it that you usually do in your personal life to keep your brain healthy? Yeah, I think we're very fortunate to be in the Santa Barbara area. So we have, it does, it's not at all far, um, it's not at all difficult to get to areas where you are pretty much with just yourself or a companion and getting fresh air mm -hmm. um, in the mountains. And I really think that if you're not already doing those kinds of things, whether it's hiking or biking or just taking a walk in areas that are not so populated, you know, we can do that. You can't do that in New York or LA. True. We, we can do that. And uh, I really think that is very restorative. It seems like everything you say, you really are able to simplify things of, you know, we need to protect ourselves, continue to follow COVID protocols, but really bring it back to the basics of having activity, keeping your brain stimulated intellectually, sleep, eat Generally, your veggies. <laughs> yeah, all those, you know, all those good things that you've learned uh, from your mom and, and uh, that you should stick to. But uh, I, I think... Um, and I, I actually should add sleep to the list. You're absolutely right. Sleep deprivation is uh, not also not great for the brain. But, you know, then you do all that stuff and um, you still find people that are severely depressed. Uh, they have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. And because of that, uh, they 
they can hear this uh, advice and it is sort of getting back to the basics, but they would say, well, you know, that's a little bit simplistic. It's easier to say than do. And mm. um, those, those are, um, you know, people who we really have to think hard about how we can, you know, help them out, uh, help them out a bit. It's not easy for everybody to do even those simple things. Absolutely. Dr. Kosick, if you could prescribe one most important tip people can do for the brain, I know it's hard, but what would it be? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, if I had to zero it down to one thing, and, and by one thing, that doesn't mean the only thing. But um, I think one thing is uh, to get some good exercise. But, you know, I think you really have to get out vigorous walking, jogging, biking, um, and, um, you know, swimming in the ocean. Those Definitely. are all things that uh, are really good for every part of your body and your brain is part of your body. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kosick, for coming on air. I really appreciate your simplicity and optimism. Thank you for inviting me.